Welcome to Heartbeat Podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Bright, along with my co-host, Joy Stanford. We aim to change the hearts of corporate America. Each week, you'll hear us discuss politics, business, the voice of the black woman, and how our voices are needed in today's world. We bring a myriad of guests on. We love to highlight and promote brown and black people. And our focus is on the ecosystems that are necessary to change corporate America. Through these conversations, you will get a deeper understanding of what is necessary for change. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Heartbeat Radio and Podcast. I am your host, Cindy Bright, this evening. Back on air this week. Uh, I wasn't able to be on air last week. When you hear the conversation tonight, you'll know why. Uh, Let me just start off the show by uh, first um, recognizing and saying Happy Pride Month to all of those who celebrate uh, in our LGBTQ community. Let me also say that uh, the reason why I couldn't come on air last week is because I just couldn't um, after what was going on last week with uh, the mass shootings in the school. um, It had just taken a toll on me. And as we are live now, there is another shooting uh, in Tulsa. And so in the first half of the show this evening, Joy and I are going to talk about some of the current events that are going on right now. In the second part of the show, uh, we have invited on um, a candidate who's running in the 30th. Before I bring Joy in, let me tell you a couple things about how we're going to break down um, the election cycle and bring in candidates on this year. I think some of you have heard or have been on when um, I have been challenged over bringing on certain candidates and not bringing on certain candidates onto the show. Uh, First off, my show is not a political show, and I'm not here strictly to do uh, candidate forms and highlight and showcase um, opponents. Uh, This show, Heartbeat, has always had a focus on elevating and propelling the uh, voice of Black people. Uh, We focus heavily on Black women, um, but do bring on other guests as well who are in the social justice space. And so given that, um, I think we're going to do some things a little bit different this um, season, this session, uh, so that we can start getting at the heart of some of the matter of some of the issues that um, we as brown and Black people face in this country, uh, which means we might bring on some different folks that we haven't had on in the past, um, and they could represent a different party potentially. So we're working on a few things to start having some deeper dialogue about uh, change in this country um, and what is it going to take to actually get it. Let's invite in Joy Stanford, my regular co-host on with me this evening. Welcome, Joy, on this evening. You, ooh, you're muted still. Glad to be back. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you for setting it, setting us up for success over our next couple of weeks here as we move into summer and we move into this uh, pre-primary election season. <laughs> yes, and to our to our listeners, I think in the studio there is some internet challenges, so we might be breaking in and out. Uh, a little bit. I, I'm hearing it break in out a little bit, so bear with us as we're dealing with internet challenges, the challenge of remote and technology here. Joy, I had... That's you know, our world said, now. We have to deal with it. That's our world. We have to deal with it now. Why does it always happen that when we're live on air, though? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
I know last week you were a little surprised when I texted you and said, I'm canceling the show tonight. And, um, you were like, is everything okay? And I was like, no, everything is not okay. What, uh, but I, I understood. Like, I would have been a little shell shocked too. Um, I think we both would have, and it wouldn't have seemed, it wouldn't have felt right to do a show and not acknowledge what had happened a couple of days before um, with um, the mass shooting in Baldy, um, Texas. And so I got it. No, I, I, I got it. I was asking you that, but I understood immediately. Um, and then there's just a lot. World. Well, There's just I a lot happening. So um, there was, and I also have. I think most people know I teach, um, and my classes that I teach are on Thursday nights. And so I had a very emotional class on Thursday evening because all of my class, the students. I mean, this was the epitome of what was going on in the country, which is the shooting in classrooms, and um, it was very humbling and very. Um, I can't even put into words what that class was like. We could, it, all of us could barely get through it. Um, because what do you say when you are literally uh, living and fearing for your life? Um, and if any of my listeners haven't had a chance to read the blog I posted this past week about what it feels like in right now, uh, particularly as, you know, black people can't walk out our front doors. I know that the shooting were, they were students of color. So this was uh, a classroom full of teachers and families of color. And so to watch this continuing to happen and today's shooting was in a hospital. I, yes. I'm just, um, and then I saw. What world are we living in? What world are we living in where you can't go to school? You can't go to the grocery store just a week before all those babies got killed. We had the shooting in the grocery store um, in yeah. Buffalo. Um so you can't go to the grocery store, you, you're not safe at school, and you're not safe at a hospital. What is our world coming to? You know, I was listening yeah. to briefly before I came on air, I was listening to Laura Coates. I don't know if anybody listens to Laura Coates when she's on air. She's on CNN. She's a black woman. And she was pretty um, passionate today, too, about um, holding elected officials accountable, like how um, every other country that we have, no one has this kind of mass shootings. And they showed this highlight of one of the reporters asking President Biden, uh, are we going to get some legislation passed? And the way that he answered it um, left Laura Coates saying, that didn't make me feel good. And I think none of us feel good about the fact that we still, we've been out in these streets fighting to get the right, the right people elected, and we still can't progress. And so we have... Um, majority now I thought with having a democratic vice president I don't I don't know enough about what it takes to exert executive power but how have we gotten to this point still and we're still playing the same game of trying to get both parties to work together to bring gun legislation why can't that be overruled why can't there be any executive decisions made why do we continue have to play the same game that um, is not working over and over again? Why are we still in this position? And what is that going to mean for elections this year? Because we as um, registered Democrats um, want change in this country. We have, we as 
Black people have mobilized across this country to help try to create change. It is us that is putting these Dems in office, and we're still here today. And so the WTH um, acronym, what is going on? What will it take? I think I think you hit it on the head. We're still electing the same people, but nothing is changing. So what does that mean? At least I'm talking at the federal level. Um, yeah. What does that mean for us as uh, black and brown people? How how can we push to make that change happen? And I remember when we were running and people said, you have to have the political courage and will to make change. Well, that after looking to our elected officials to do is have that political courage. Does it really take that much courage to know that we need stronger gun legislation? And this is from a gun owner. Um, I'm just saying. How many more schools have to be shot up, grocery stores, before we really take it serious? And we're the only country, someone said in a conversation I had with him, we're the only country that doesn't legislate this correctly. And one of the only countries that has mass shootings. Mm -hmm. Other countries don't. And and in this case, the young person, I haven't seen much on the shooter, have you? I haven't been... Barely today is literally the first time I've turned the news on in a week and a half. I should just that up. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him if they got him or not, but I know that he was 18 years old and he just went in and purchased a gun. But here killed his grandmother. Killed his grandmother first. Hmm. And I had a principal, a friend of mine who's a principal. You know what she said? What happened to that young man? That's a good educator, number one. Number two. She's asking the right question because he obviously did what he needed within the system so that he wouldn't do this. It does, you know, because I've listened to some debate on this topic and it does. So gun control is all necessary. Nobody's I don't think any rational person can argue that nobody's trying to take away their Second Amendment rights. We got to deal with how people get possession, but you look at the increased rate of people finding that to be the outlet or the vehicle for them to um, show their rage. And if anybody in this country has a right to be outraged, it is BIPOC people. Um, And particularly it is black women. And we ain't walking around in the streets with guns trying to shoot everybody up. And we are on the receiving end of, the harassment and the bullying and the marginalization. And so what happened? What is, what is happening? Why is this so? And, and if we talk about mental health, we cannot talk about mental health separate uh, from gun people with guns and killing people to what is actually happening to them to create these mental health challenges. And so, you know, it's a society that we live in of have and have nots. And the have and have nots have created such a huge divide that the suffering of people, the s- people are suffering and we are yeah. slow, yeah. if anything, to help relieve suffering. So what do we do? Here's that's the question. Salvador Rolando. I don't like to say his name because he is the one that did that. But um, 
I think we, there- we have to ask the question of what happened to him. Why was he, what motivated him to, to do this heinous act? Um, and could that have been detoured? Could we have detoured him somehow, either with mental help? Um, but we will never know because he killed his grandmother. So, um, you know, it's. Have you caught any of the, the anything about the hospital today? Like, I think that I saw no. that the shooter's dead. I don't know. I was how in many meetings all day. Unfortunately, oh, yeah, I did. I got that. So, yeah, uh, I caught that the shooter's dead, but that's about it. Not understanding why I see it's all over, you know, see we are becoming accustomed to, to these kind of events, which is awful. Why are we becoming accustomed? Our poor kids are living in this world where this happens and no one thinks twice. We think about it in the moment and then we're like, oh, it happened, you know. And, and the teachers, like talk about the disincentive to want to be in the classroom. And, and we haven't even right. mentioned yet, 12 minutes into the show, we haven't even mentioned the fact that they called for help <laughs> and the people that they called for help didn't help them. And so here we are with the same system that everyone keeps fighting and saying, yeah. you know, why are you against, you know, why do you not, you know, why do you not like cops? It's not that we don't like them. It's that, you know, what you is happening to do a job? Go it's, in and do our, your job. It's our money that's paying these people. And, you know, to watch or hear some of the things that, you know, the parents had to drive down themselves and go in the classroom, like any one of us mothers would do if we knew our, our children were in these classrooms. They have to go snatch them up and deal with it ourselves. Um, we, we This country is so broken. It's just so, so broken. And so it, broken. Was a, it was an off-duty police officer or firefighter who went in, but there's nine of y'all outside of the school. Where's your tactical gear? Why are you not going in there and figuring it out? All I know after several days after a lot of people are in trouble uh, for not and uh, saying, you know, given the right uh, story on what had happened during that time, but let's not, I don't want to place blame. What I want to do is say, how can we fix this? What is the solution around fixing this? And the people and who I don't offer think, I don't think the fix is to arm our teachers. You don't pay our teachers enough to arm our teachers. So there's that. The people that keep trying to fix this system are the people that either A, can't get into office to try to help with policy around it. B, they get into office and they are slapped into their place and disincented to want to work in that kind of environment, as we will be talking about in some future shows here. Um, told to sit down. <laughs> told to sit down and shut up. And it's the, it's the equivalent of being told shut up and dribble. And that's happening in the Democrat Party. Yeah. And that's the party. That's the quote unquote progressive party fighting for change. And so that's happening in the Democratic Party. And the only way you can be elected, I mean, you know, Joy, I'm turning 58 next month. 
I'll still be eligible to run in 25 years and probably have a good shot of getting, because that seems to be the only way that you can get an office is to be 80 freaking years old. 80 go, years old, you're running from sort of for a federal position. <laughs> maybe then, I'll, maybe then they, it'll be my turn. Remember how that was said to, was that said to you? Because it was certainly said to me when no, um, I read is that it's not your is, turn. Like, what does that mean, my turn? Yeah. Um, again, colonized thinking, right? Colonized white supremacist thinking, which is that the only way that you can progress something is you have to get in the pecking order of which the white people in power controlled gatekeeping, who comes in, who doesn't, how do they get endorsements, all that sort of stuff. We'll get an opportunity to talk with a new candidate here on the second half of the show to ask those kind of questions too, right? Exactly. Um, you know, what kind of support is there when you want to go in and effectively make change? Um, you know, it's, this is so um, atrocious of what is happening across this country with um, it's both parties. And, you know, I, I am a Democrat and I'm not ashamed to say that, but I'm also calling them out because we are out here. The political landscape that we're living in is now it's a street fight and we're still acting like it's a process that has to be followed. F right. the process. We need to make change. And the people that we, we need to make now. change, we want it now. We don't, we don't we need the game. We don't need to be a part of the game. We need solutions and we need things to act to change now. And so, you know, Joy and I were talking earlier. I don't want to, I need to nail some things down before I announce it to the public, but we are going to have some interesting conversations coming up from atypical normal people coming onto the show because we're going to put some reality checks into what is happening into black America and why black people are, are leaving the democratic party and going to the other side now. And what is that going to mean for change in this country? What is it going to mean? Is it going to effectively help bring about change and do, and, and will that help, progress some of these issues that we've all been in the streets talking and fighting for. I think we need to um, address this like the civil rights movement where you just, you don't take no, you keep pushing until you get what you came for. And so I, I think we're just at this moment where um, education, homelessness, housing, gun control, um, police accountability, all of those things to me have come to a head. So if they've come to a head now, what is the answer? What is the solution? And we're going to keep pushing until we get to that common ground solution. Um, what's going to happen, people, what's gonna happen uh, Joy, Hi, Bonnie. <laughs> we love you too. Thank you for being on this week again with us. Uh, and there's Juanita. Hi, Juanita. <laughs> um, what's going to happen is the public is going to take things into their own hands. And that's what yes. I'm afraid of. Because it's already happening. It's happening, right? They're it happened down here in Tacoma this weekend. Some guys shot at a guy. So they went looking for a stolen car or something. And I'm like, what? And what they don't understand. Like, and what they don't understand is when they sit back and start trying to um, 
you know, holier than thou politics. What they don't understand is that they're creating it. They're creating these problems. And so you can't just sit here and continue to push party lines on vote, vote, vote. We do need that. We, we are here representing every week, uh, trying to get the right Dems elected into office, but the people that we're advocating for and pushing are not, are, are arguably the abuse. If any of our listeners heard representative Milan Tai on a couple weeks ago, right? Oh my gosh. Love her. It takes a special elected person to stay in that kind of toxicity and continue to navigate your way through for the greater good. And if you're black and, you know, we've heard, we've seen it in the news. We have two representatives that served one term and are done. And so here are the work we've been doing out here trying to help get people elected and get people in office. We're out here doing all this work to help. And then they can't even serve, they can't make it past one term because their health can't take it. Their mental health can't take working around these folks. And it's so, a full-time job that they're getting part-time money for. It's a full-time job. I don't care what anybody says. It's, it's full-time two full-time job. jobs. I mean, they work 24 hours, you know, 20 hours a day. And especially during session. Yes, it's an awful, it's it's an awful setup. And the people who step up to try to do that, like, how are we going to encourage other people? And look, people have lost hope with just watching back in Washington, D.C. When you see, look, I, this is an unpopular opinion, but I have not been a Nancy Pelosi fan. And I think that. I mean, I, I think she does a fine job. I know people react to it, but you want to know what I reacted to about her? I reacted to when uh, the squad first got elected and the way that she scolded them. And I saw her, how she used her finger, which was like, it triggered me <laughs> in a way to watch these women get up there and try to silence the voices of people and tell them to get in line. When they have not served us, the, the people, the constituents of this party, the constituents right. of color, the color, the elected officials, what it takes for AOC and Representative Presley and for them to get into office is no joke. And then, you know, a white woman stands up and holds her finger up at them and tells them to get back in line. That mess doesn't set with me. And so when I watched that behavior, I'm like, you know, and she's 82, 80 also. Well, I was just going to say. Especially since she's an 80-year-old who's like... I think she's she's done some great things in the country. I think she understands politics really well, so I'm not taken away. Um, But it's time for her to go, too. Like, we're tired of these people who just try to keep folks in line instead of trying to help us move. Look, Representative Jayapal is at free election. We got to help her. I mean, she's one of the, you know, lone voices out there. You know, how, how many of them are back in Washington, D.C., actually trying to help progress this and move it? I, you know, I, I had the pleasure of speaking to some great staff members and with some of the representatives from Washington State a couple of weeks ago when I was back in D.C. And I, I feel like the Washington delegation that's in Washington, D.C. are really there and have a heart of service and they are there to make change and they are there, but they are just being pushed back and stalled at every corner. And it's like, why is this happening? 
And then I got, I got an email from, I don't know, maybe it was the Dems or somebody, um, the National Dems, uh, um, you know, call your representatives and senators and make sure they're getting back to the table doing some, you know, gun control with this latest mass shooting. And I'm thinking, we've been trying to do that since I was running for office in 2018. Did you see the list? Did you see it on Facebook where um, there were like, what, how many was it? 200 and some odd shootings that were, that, yeah. like this has been going on for yeah, school after school, after school, city after city, after city, after city, mass after mass shooting. after mass. It's too much. It's, it's too, too much. Which is why we had to have our mental health break last week, <laughs> which I then turned decided to do again, Carver George Floyd Memorial uh, Hour. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about George Floyd for a second too, because again, this is in my blog. I posted this last week. Two years. But, um, two years. It, it's been two years. I didn't get one email from all of the, um, you know, the businesses that all were like were behind racial equity. And I'm like, okay, it's been two years. Has anything changed? Um, where's your emails? Some organizations are doing the work. Some organizations are doing the work. Are they mostly the dot orgs? I would say they're mostly the nonprofits. Correct. That's the dot orgs. They don't have a whole lot of money. Um, and most dot orgs are service. They're, they're not for profit. They're serving people. So those so for profit, you know, profit. So yeah. So no, I think we've progressed. Um, I I think now we have this of the police can't do their job because said uh, uh, laws have been brought up and brought in to um, to uh, legislation and they can't do their jobs now. Really? Is that is that why they get jobs? Really? Oh, okay. Let's bring that. Let's bring that comment back up. Uh, producer Daniel, let's bring that comment back up about mental health. Here we go. Um, mental health, what America isn't mentioning is that it's usually not BIPOC kids committing mass shootings. Colonialism is really broken. This is truth, Juanita. This is truth, right? Um, it, yes, it is usually the ca- not the case. It's usually uh, white kids that are coming in armed. I, it, I don't know. I haven't seen the photo of this last one. Um, it sounds like a... Hispanic. Hispanic. Hispanic last name. Um, I'm crushed to see it. I'm crushed to see all of it, right? That young people feel that they have to go get guns to deal with it. And so to deal with whatever. A couple days after his 18th birthday, he bought the gun. Because in Texas, they lowered the age. Has anybody seen the picture? I meant to send it to the producer today. I meant to look for it. There's a picture. Um, if he can find it really quick, because we're going to have to take commercial here in a, in a couple minutes. Um, there's a picture of a woman. Uh, it might be even Ruby Bridges, uh, where her walking into school, and it's got all these women screaming at her from behind as she's walking in. And the meme is something about you know that black women are constantly, um, you know, being having to deal with that that kind of bullying and all that, but we're not out here shooting it in the streets either. And so I'm not trying to dismiss or marginalize mental health and what people go through. Um, it's just interesting how some of us ma- manage it, I guess is the word. I don't know. Yeah. Or, um, and, no, we go around and others, people. yes. Anyhow, 
Look, we, um, we're going to take a quick station identification. Uh, we should have uh, Reverend uh, Carrie Anderson on with us in the second half. I will see if he has signed in yet, but we're going to take a three-minute break and we'll be right back. Heartbeat Radio and Podcast. I am your host, Cindy Bright, with my co-host, Joy Stanford. Uh, we just spent the first half of the show talking about some of the local or the current events going on uh, nationally, and we want to spend the second half, as we uh, are typically doing, bringing on, uh, this is the season we bring on candidates that are running for office. And before we bring in this candidate, um, we want to just uh, set the stage. So many of you know Representative Jesse Johnson. Uh, he um, was is the state representative in the 30th legislative district that covers Federal Way, Auburn, Pacifica, a couple of the, uh, those areas in that general vicinity. I don't remember all the cities, but he has uh, decided that he is not going to run for a second term. And that was one of the things we were referencing in the first half of the show is that we have black elected officials uh who two of them in the House this past year served one term and decided that they're not running again. Uh, we're excited. We have not met him. We're excited to introduce and welcome Pastor Dr. Carrie Anderson. He is the pastor of First AME Church here in Seattle. Let's welcome Pastor Carrie onto Heartbeat Radio. Hey, how's everybody doing? Hey, Reverend Anderson. Uh, we see your fireplace. Are you there? <laughs> We see your and fireplace. That's we, not my back. <laughs> we don't see you. We see your, if that's your home, we could have very well done the show out of your house with the house that nice. Let me, uh, that's not my background. Okay. So, okay. Well, we can- we can hear we, you, so that's we fine. We can hear you, so if you want to do it on audio, uh, we can do that. We'd love for the community to see if you can figure out how to get on camera, uh, but we don't want to waste your time either. I know you stepped out of another meeting to come into onto the show this evening. So, oh, well, I couldn't miss you. I couldn't miss the two of you for this <laughs> one show. <laughs> well, we'd love to hear you. Give me a minute and, and walk me through uh, how to change the background so we can all chop it up mm-hmm. together. Um, I don't know because I don't use one. Joy, do you know how to do that? So um, what I would say is, can you click on your video? Yeah, and then it just disappears. Okay, so you have a background on on your computer because I don't know your computer. This is not a background that I use. (laughs) Well, it's on the computer that you were on. Yeah, so, yeah. My goodness. Well, let's, let's just. If you don't, 
Yeah, we don't want to waste your time. So yeah, we just um if you can figure it out, you have do you have a teenager in the house who can come over <laughs> to the computer? That's what I have to do. I have to no, call my, my oldest my oldest grand is twenty-two. <laughs> and and then next is thirteen, but he's in California. He lives in California. Reverend Karen, we do not care. We can hear your lovely voice. We just want to talk to you. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. So walk us through your first time candidate. We know you as a pastor in the Seattle community. What prompted you to decide to run for office? Excellent question. I've been uh, in ministry 44 years. I've been a pastor for 38 years. I've been at First AME Church 18 years, which is not just in Seattle. It's also in Auburn. We have two sites. And um, we've been serving uh, the community since 1886. And as you had given as a backdrop, uh, the work that Jesse Johnson had done, uh, we supported Jesse Johnson wholeheartedly. When he was a city council person, he came uh, to our church to uh, uh, offer his platform, and we supported him. When he uh, ran for re-election after he was appointed to uh, state legislature, uh, we supported him in that. And I was just um, amazed that he decided not to run because I was such a fan of the work that he had done, especially as it relates to police accountability, police reform. And so I was really uh, in a quandary uh, looking at uh, who shall we try to get to run? And after coming up off my knees, the Lord said, is you. And so I have influenced uh, legislation. I have helped in politics since uh, Jesse Jackson ran in 1984. I've been involved in local campaigns and down through the years. And so this is not new uh, working uh, in this capacity, but this is a new 30th district. Let me just say Pastor Kerry, can I interrupt you for just a moment? Um, can you go down to your settings button? Do you see the setting at the bottom of the screen? And click, the, it's like a little wheel thing. You'll see it says mute, stop cam settings. It says, yeah, I can go to settings. Settings, okay. Click settings. And then click virtual background. And then, choose, and then choose ah. none. Did you Virtual choose none? Choose none. Choose none. There you go. Hey, there, there you are. Good to see you there. now. <laughs> oh, it's the beauty. Thank you to the producer in the studio. Hey. <laughs> we got you. All right. So this I'm offering proven new leadership to the new 30th district. This is a new 30th district. It is not the same as it was uh, the last election cycle since uh, 2010 and the 2020 census has happened. It has been realigned and the boundaries have changed. The former, the old 30th district embraced parts of Pierce County. And so this, right. since the 2020 uh, census, Pierce County is no longer a part of the 30th. 
Now we're totally embraced by King County. So it's a new, no one has ever been elected to serve in this new 30th district. And so the work that I've done in terms of uh, not just being a public school teacher, K through 12 for uh, a number of years, six years in the classroom, 17 years as a licensed uh, teacher. I'm the only candidate that's done that. I'm the only candidate who has championed $400 million of state funding uh, for immediate reinvestment into our community that will off in July of this year. I'm the only candidate who has, uh, during the pandemic, has been offering uh, COVID testing and boostering. We have our next session June the 7th. We've boosted well over 5,000 people, fed over 13,000 uh, during this piece called COVID. And uh, I'm the only candidate that provides jobs uh, through affordable housing, through my church-based nonprofit housing organizations. Matter of fact, January of this year, January of this year, we just broke ground our fame um, Equity Alliance of Washington, Western Washington, on a 119-unit, a $35 million project. These are the things that uh, I'm bringing to the table. I've raised more money in this election cycle than any other candidate, uh, starting from zero. And so I bring a wealth of experience, a wealth of grassroots um, organization mobilization. I'm the only candidate, for example, that during the George Floyd murder and the unrest here in this city was able to build bridges between the police force and the protesters at CHOP, which is just two blocks away from our Seattle site, and the mayor of Seattle and her command staff. So I brought us all together at first AME, no cameras, so we didn't have to worry about background scenes and things like that, no cameras, no move, no uh, uh, news media outlets. Uh, we sat down and hammered out uh, solutions. And so I'm able to bring and bridge those gaps. And I want to do that as the voice in uh, Olympia for the 30th district. And which party ticket are you running on? Lord have mercy. You cut me, I bleed. bleed. <laughs> I am a Democrat. Just asking because I love you know, we do our homework on these candidates. And so um, it just wasn't clear. Um, we were just looking at your website. So we're like, okay, we're just going to listen to what um, your platform is that you're running on. And so um, we just wanted to ask that just so that we understand. And so have you been in, have you been in contact with the Democratic Party? Have you talked to them about your candidacy? And do you have support from them? Or, or what's the status of that? Excellent question, Cindy. First of all, I'm a proud member of the 30th Legislative District. I'm a former PCO in the 30th Legislative District. I've been endorsed by the largest teaching organization in the state of Washington, that being the Washington Education Association. I've also been endorsed by the Retired Public Employees Council. And so I'm looking forward to even more. We've got endorsements from the Proactive Persistent People for Progress uh, as well. And then um, in terms of personalities, the former mayor of Seattle, Jenny Durkin has endorsed this candidate, the former chief of police. And mind you, Seattle is the largest city in the state of Washington. Ch Carmen Bess has endorsed this candidate. And uh, also I have the endorsement of Mayor Nancy Backus from the city of Auburn. And also 
those of you that are still into uh, hip hop and rap, uh, we know him as Anthony Ray. You should know him as Sir Mix-a-Lot. And so uh, his mother, his mother was a proud member of First AME Church. And we buried her some years ago. Uh, God rest her soul. And, and Sir Mix-a-Lot has been a strong supporter of this candidate. So we're excited and uh, our boots are on the ground. How are you going to, now this might be a tough question, but I want to know how you're going to maneuver more sensitive topics. I, I feel like police accountability is already a sensitive topic, but there's so many issues within Olympia. You being a pastor, how how do you see yourself maneuvering those those topics and issues within Olympia? Well, me being a pastor helps understand our DNA. The Black church, the AME church in particular, were the progenitors of Black politicians uh, coming out of Reconstruction. So the first politicians that were elected to federal office were AME preachers, Black preachers. So we come out of a place of struggle. We come out of a place of protest. Matter of fact, that's how the AME church started. It came out of protest protesting against racism, protesting against segregation, protesting against uh, inequities in all forms. And so uh, I, I bring a sense of not only my blackness, but also my sense of history and also my sense of standing up for the least, the lost, the left out, the locked up, and those that have been left behind. And so I have no trepidation, none whatsoever. I'm not changing who I am. This is who I am. And so I will stand for the people. I will stand for those that have been locked up and left out. Wow. <laughs> That's all I can say is wow. Have you, um, I do feel like I'm in church right now for a moment and I'm loving hey, this. Hallelujah. I'm loving this. Um, have you, you know, for lack of a better word, debriefed or spoken with uh, Representative Johnson or other Black uh, elected land. And let me give a little bit more uh, context to that question. So we have, um, I don't know if you uh, have heard like representative uh, Kirsten Tally Harris. She's uh, the representative in the 37th term yeah, legislator, yes. representative Johnson, you know, one term. Have you talked to the other black elected officials to get a read and sense on what it's like down there in the house? Percy and I were together, and I, yeah, I hear your point. We were together for a labor council uh, gathering at a local church in Seattle. This is right after her op-ed. And she said, the one thing that is lacking in the state legislature is integrity, character. Those are the things that either make you or break you. Your word, you know, are you playing? Now, I'm a numbers man. So I know it takes numbers to get victory. I know that you have to do the analytics, but in doing my numbers, doing my analytics, I'm not gonna compromise who I am. And so I'm bringing a progressive new leadership to the new 30th district because uh, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. I'm not gonna be one to say one thing to one uh, group and then another to another group. Uh, what you see is going to be what you get. And and that's how I've been able to pastor. If you're pastoring, you have to be a people person and people respect right. you 
if you are true to your word. And so uh, being a pastor, I take that very, very seriously. And just to be basic with you, Cindy and Joy, I got to be able to sleep at night. I have a wife and I want her to respect me. I have children. I want them to respect me. I have grandchildren. I want them to. I have cats. I want them to to respect. When I walk in the house, I don't want people turning their head. When I go into my church, whether it's Auburn or whether it's Seattle, I hold my head up because I know that I've been true. And if I mess up, make a mistake, I got to own up to it. And I've got to confess. I've got to make amends. And that's what it's about. That's what Kirsten was dealing with, I believe, in her first term as a legislator. Because she came up against it and she saw the injustices, she saw the inequities, and she also saw that uh, people do not say what they mean. Can I say hallelujah? Hallelujah. <laughs> you have to have a strong and, and, back. You have to have yes. strong back and you've got to have thick skin if you're going to survive in that. Have you we, we know that very well. We know that very well. We both ran Joy and I ran. We both yeah, ran we in both. 2018. And then I ran again in 2020 and lost. And you do. You have to have a thick skin and you have to have a backbone. And then you got to be careful of your frenemies. That's right. You will develop frenemies, people that walk with you, people that you've supported, people that said they got your back and really they've been on your back. That's right. You've got to deal with a myriad of issues and your, your spidey sense has to tingle and adhere to your gut feelings. And I found if you adhere to your gut feelings, you'll be, you'll do well. You know, one of the things we were talking about uh, before, I don't know, you probably didn't hear it before you joined. We were talking about the fact that um, the, um, we have listeners listening to you preach, Reverend. Um, Oh, (laughs) we, um, we were just talking about the reckoning that's happening in our country right now with respect to black people and with the fact that, um, you know, we have put this country on our back to help move uh, progress for all people. And we feel that we're at a, um, I don't think the right word is crossroads, but uh, we see a heavy movement towards uh, party party division, uh, Republican people coming after more um, interest and power. And what is this all going to mean for us? Um, here in the state of Washington, I think here in the state of Washington, we feel we as Democrats, both Joy and I are elected Democrats, feel like we got this down, but we're also scared about the injustices or the grossness of what goes on in the Democratic Party. And we watch our black candidates that get elected walk away within one term. And so, you know, I, I say that to you as you walk in, um, you know, Granted, yeah, we, you want know, you, we want you to stay. I'm not in it. I'm not in it for me. I'm in it for the people that I intend to serve. And I think that makes a big difference uh, in, in your candidacy and a big difference as a public servant, a public elected official. 
why are you doing it? That was your first question. What's in it for you? What's in it for me is to see systemic change, real change, not preferential change, but real authentic change. And that's why I'm in it, because I believe in my lifetime, we can do some creative things. When Barack Obama was elected in 2008, first person I called was my mother. My mother was 90 years old. I said, Mama, did you just see what happened? She said, son, I never thought I would see it in my lifetime. She lived to see him get reelected in 2012. I called her again. Not that it was four years between us speaking. We spoke every day. She was my best, best friend. I said, Mama, did you see what just happened again? She said, now I am doubly convinced that God is good. And so we have to really try to be in these spaces to make real change. If not, you're just taking up space, sucking up the air. You know, I I believe uh, Representative Johnson uh, came from that same basis of uh, change and caring about being in it for the people. I believe Representative Harris, Tally, has the same... um, motivation to represent people. She's a very progressive thinker um, and activist. Um, You know, I'm reading into some things. I read the article about her in the paper. What had her walk away is the, um, it's the lack of integrity that you were talking about that goes on in the party. And so I guess my question is, um, has the party reached out to you? Have you heard any from any of the leadership? Are you being embraced about um, as a, uh, a first-time candidate, are you getting support from any of the leadership out of Washington State to help you in your um, campaign? Where are that's the a, leaders? That's a fair question. And let me say this. People are very hesitant initially when they see someone new on the scene. And so, for example, uh, as I've reached out to my Black colleagues and my Black patriots, if you will, that are currently serving. A lot of them because they're politicians. I'm not running as a politician. I'm running to serve the people. So I'm not running as a politician. They're wanting to tell, well, they've shared with me, some of them, well, let's wait till the primary and then we'll talk on the other side of the primary. So, you know. Where have we heard that, that, Cindy? We should we should let Reverend Kerry give him a little insight about our campaigns, which is why I'm probing so hard because mm-hmm. you're the same. We went, I, and I ran, the I ran against another Democrat, which you're running against another Democrat. And so when the Dem on Dem races go on, the party tends to have their hands off um, and don't support um, um, from the front. They will support from behind and have their engine move behind the scene to help their preferred candidate of choice. That's how the system works. And so we're not, I'm not being naive. I mean, I'm, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you on is because I said this to you on the phone. I think you're the underdog in the race and we want to give you an opportunity to be seen and heard and talk to our community so that we can get your, you visible out there because when the community votes, the community speaks and that will outdo any of the other politics that are going on behind the scenes. And so I lived through that and I 
was not interested in running again. Joy ran again <laughs> a second time. Um, and so we're just asking, are you ready? Because this is a nasty street fight. And um, yeah, that's why we were wanted to talk with you. Well, that's a, that's a wonderful assessment. Now, you have to understand, I'm not 21 anymore. I've been in a few, a few street fights in my life, and I'm still here. And you can ask right some of those now. that were in it with me. They're not here anymore. I'll just say it like that. They ain't here anymore. So, you know, what you have to do, and I'm speaking to myself, you have to out-politic the politics. And so what do you do? You out-canvas. What do you do? You out-doorbell. What do you do? You out-walk. What do you do? You out-sign uh, uh, them. You out-wave them. You do everything more so. They, they canvas on weekends. You do it every day. You get your teams lined up morning, noon, afternoon, evening, and you get your folk out there. And then, like I said, the least, the lost, the left out, those are the ones that have a voice. Those are the ones we can recruit and get registered to vote. Those are the ones that can turn the needle. Those are the ones that you don't see below the waterline that can come up and make the real difference. And so this is this is what we're about. This is what we're doing. And so I'm not after the okie doke. I'm not after those that have been in the party a long time. That's not my crowd. That's not my crew. That's not my posse. No, I'm going after new voters. I'm going after those that feel there's nothing to vote for, that they have no reason to even register to vote. It's not a presidential election. I'll vote on the presidential election. But no, there's so many local things and state things that we've got to play a role in. So Joy and Cindy, you know, throw your hat back in when God says it's time. You know, don't you give up. And people will pour into you. People will people that you least expect will pour into you. I've got skin in the game. I put my first $25,000 in my own campaign. You got to put your own self in it. Feet first and put your resources in it and uh, allow God to do what God's going to do. Because money cannot outdo favor. Politics cannot outdo favor. I'm walking in favor in the name of Jesus. You know, you just started my sermon for this Sunday. God bless you. You know, so <laughs> the money. I, you know, I want to amplify that. And we've only got a minute left here on the show. Has the time um, gone so fast? Yes, this is what happens. When, this is what happens. But I want to say this to you, Reverend oh. Harry. Look, um, having you know, I said this to one of my girlfriends earlier uh, today that I was telling her about um, how it was difficult for me to see um, the some of the memes that were going around about you know they were scratching out thoughts and prayers and saying policy and change. And I was telling my girlfriends how you know black community we are rooted in faith. And so it is God that will work through us and help us to move these, these mountains forward. And so while I don't think um, we should eliminate thoughts and prayers, because those of us who have had the experience of faith and understand the power of prayer, the power of prayer can be answered in a way that we don't least expect. And you just might be that right. answer to some of these problems. So we just want, yeah, I love the whole comment. Money cannot outdo politics. Money cannot outdo politics. And cannot outdo faith either. So yeah. look, 
we're a little over, but I want to give you a, a, a moment to close. Um, we were looking for your website. We don't know how to direct people to donate to your Elect, campaign. Electpastorcarry.com. Electpastorcarry.com. Okay. I found okay. it. That's it. Um, okay, got it. Well, look, we thank you wholeheartedly for coming on and uh, are grateful that we have a platform to offer people that yes. are... Uh, to make help people see you and hear you. And obviously we had a lot of people watching the show today. So um, let me give a shout out to my son. Let me give a shout out to my son, Shamari Jones. I, I love yeah, that. Shamari's been on the show. He does some amazing stuff. And, yes, he does. Uh, I love him dearly. And his mother loves him dearly. And so we just give yes. a big shout out. And so I'm so All glad right. that we spent this time together. God bless. God bless. God bless you Thank too, Reverend. Thank you for coming God on. You, Thank you, our audience. Thank you for joining us today. And we will see you all next.